1: Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you so much. And it's time for our annual, not annual, I should say our daily message to our board operator to push the button. You realize I literally get messages from listeners who say their favorite time of the morning is when I tell Andrew to push the button to get the reverb out of my ears. So why would we start today? Any differently. Uh, Good morning to you. Eight minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Wednesday. That's when, as we begin, the second morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. And uh, we are loaded for bear today. And I mean really, seriously. We've got three fantastic guests about three very important issues. Coming up in a half an hour, we are going to talk about the lawsuit that has been filed in the state of Ohio by Stand Up Ohio. Stand Up, or excuse me, not Stand Up Ohio. Ohio Stands Up, rather. Lawsuit filed against Governor Mike DeWine and the state to remove the unconstitutional emergency order. We believe that the response to COVID-19 has been the greatest fraud ever perpetrated on the American public. End quote. That quote came from attorney Thomas Renz. He is uh, one of the lead plaintiffs in the case, or attorneys representing the plaintiffs in the case, determined to restore the constitutional rights that have been stripped away by the state of Ohio's unjustified actions regarding COVID-19. Ohio stands up, has filed suit in the Northern District of the Ohio Federal Court to remove Mike DeWine's emergency order. And again, Thomas Renz is one of the attorneys, along with Robert Gargas and uh Uh, Tom Renz will be our first guest at 9.35 this morning to talk about that lawsuit. Very, very interested to hear what he has to say. Then at 10.10, Andy Puzder will be joining us. Who is Andy Puzder? Andy Puzder, you may recognize that name. He's a good friend, by the way, of Peter Kersenhaus, former CEO of CKE Restaurants. And Andy Puzder is going to be joining us to talk about the state of this economy. He is uh, an economic expert. And he's going to talk about the state of this economy, where it was prior to the uh, pandemic striking and where it is today and where it is headed under President Trump's leadership and where it would be headed if Joe Biden were to somehow, some way, become president of the United States. Uh, So that is coming up at 1010. And then at 1035, just added late last night, we're going to talk to the gentleman that we're about to start talking about right now, Ralph Spitalieri. He is a commissioner in Geauga County. We've got problems in Geauga County, as you can imagine. Uh, Chardon High School has gone off the rails. Charlotte or Chardon High Schools, or excuse me, Chardon's entire school district is off the rails. Given the statements made by its highest leadership, people in in its highest leadership positions regarding police officers. Uh, so Ralph Spitalieri wrote a uh, letter yesterday. Directed to the superintendent of schools in Chardon, Michael Hanlon, in this letter, he calls for Michael Hanlon's resignation because of what the superintendent said in response to Chardon High School football players carrying an American flag and an American thin blue line flag onto the field before their first football game this past Friday. You know the story by now, probably. But Chardon, what you don't know is that it went from bad to worse over the course of four or five days, really since Friday, when things should have been fixed. They should have remedied the situation by saying everything is fine, a representation of pride in the United States of America and in our first responders is absolutely appropriate for our school functions. That's how they could have made this better, Remedy the situation Fix the situation by declaring there's nothing wrong with supporting our first responders, including police officers, especially when there is a coach on the Chardon High School football staff who is a police officer. But there's nothing wrong with that because we, of course, are grateful to our first responders for all that they do for our community. That's how you fix the situation. Instead, they worsened the situation. All right, let's go back to the very beginning of this as much as we can anyway. Uh, Chardon Schools, I told you what happened when they carried the two flags onto the field uh, on the football game. It led to this comment, among others, by Superintendent of Schools Michael Hanlon. He said that the display of the thin blue line flag will not be a part of future pregame activities and that the athletic director will, will review items for any form of discrimination... Or particular political views. Let me say that again. The superintendent believes that the presence of this flag should lead the athletic director to scan, screen, and pre-approve anything that might be displayed based on discrimination. The suggestion is is that the thin blue line flag discriminates against someone. That's very very odd. And that's very, very hard to understand, is it not? How could a thin blue line flag, which represents support for police officers, that's the blue line, in the United States, that's the American flag. What could possibly be discriminatory? Well, Superintendent Hanlon explained how it can be discriminatory. Quote, it is understandable how this could be interpreted as a racially motivated action. And therefore, not acceptable in a school community. You know, I told you this story yesterday. I talked about it in some depth last night, hosting the Larry Elder show as well. Um, But obviously, like I said, things have gone from bad to worse. So we need to dive into this more fully. Michael Hanlon, superintendent of schools, thinks cops are racists. Let me say that unequivocally. Michael Hanlon Chardon superintendent of schools thinks cops are racists. He has fed the narrative. He has fed the beast by suggesting that a thin blue line flag can be interpreted as racially motivated. He is feeding the lie that police officers are racially motivated, that police officers are racists. In other words, Michael Hamlin just waved a Black Lives Matter flag. That's what he did. The superintendent of schools in Chardon, who relied on the police officers, eight years ago in February of 2012, when a psycho nut job 17-year-old shot up Chardon School High School, relied on police officers to respond to capture that ma- t- capture that shooter relied upon them to provide safety and security, and they still do to this day? Superintendent Michael Hanlon just waved a Black Lives Matter flag, not literally, but figuratively, by saying that the Thin Blue Line flag can be interpreted as a racially motivated action. It feeds the lie, is what it does. That is what led to Super, or excuse me, Commissioner Ralph Spitalieri of Geauga County writing this letter to Superintendent Michael Hanlon. It's long. I'm not going to read it all. I'm going to read portions. Quote. Words cannot explain the anger, frustration, and disappointment I felt while reading your letter to community members. As a commissioned law enforcement officer for almost 30 years, and still actively commissioned, I am appalled that someone in your position would take a stance that does not genuinely recognize the courage of these young men. By honoring our first responders, these young men expressed gratitude, care, and love for our community and our country. Your letter sickens me, and so many others that have reached out to me and expressed the same disgust. With your inability to stand up and recognize their patriotism, as for your comment on how this gesture could be interpreted as racially motivated action, I proudly serve next to law enforcement officers of all colors, ethnicities, and religious beliefs. The flag and that blue line repre- that flag and that blue line represents and gives respect and honor to all of our men and women who risk their lives every day, and those that have died while serving. He goes on to talk about February 2012, as we talked about with the shooting. And then he wraps with this. As for you, Mr. Hanlon, you have proven beyond a reasonable doubt that you do not carry the compassion, understanding, and leadership quality that is required in your position. As Geauga County Commissioner, Vice President of Blue Line Unlimited, and a tax-paying resident of of the Chardon School District, I'm requesting you consider stepping down from your position as superintendent so that our young men and women can learn that your behavior will not be tolerated and that a superintendent with core values of humanity, accountability, love of our country, and honor can replace you. Respectfully, Ralph uh Jaga County Commissioner. Uh, again, Commissioner Spitalieri will come on to talk more in-depth about this at 10.35 this morning, and I'm very much looking forward to that. But what I am not looking forward to is the next part that I have to share with you after this time out. When I say things went from bad to worse, it did. They did. Michael Hanlon, the superintendent of Chardon Schools, isn't going anywhere because he has the full support of the Chardon School Board. The board president has responded. And doubled down in support of the superintendent, who essentially said that police are racists. Or at least they're close enough that people can interpret the thin blue line flag as being racist. So we're going to talk about that right after this timeout. Uh, It is 18 minutes past 9 o'clock. Thanks for being with us. we got a lot to cover. Like I said, a lot of great guests. Talking about the lawsuit at at 935 uh, with an attorney representing Ohio Stands Up. We're talking with... uh, uh, Andy Puzder at 1010, and we will talk with Commissioner Spitalieri at 1035. Stay here on AM 1420, The Answer.
0: It's the Bob France Authority, here on AM 1420, The Answer. All
1: right, 923 onward. Thanks for being with us. We're talking about Sharton and we're talking about one of the most disgraceful things that I think I've seen from a local school district in Northeast Ohio in a very, very long time. Um, this is This is really quite embarrassing. The comment from Superintendent Michael Hanlon was bad. The comments from the chief of police in support of him and the comments from the school board president also in support of Michael Hanlon, who essentially declared that police officers are racists because the presence of a thin blue line flag at a school event like a football game can be viewed as racially uh, discriminatory. Or no, not not racially, racially motivated. If you're carrying a police flag, you are racially motivated because you know cops are racist, right? Well, that's what the superintendent said. Commissioner Ralph Spitalieri is calling for his resignation. He'll join us later on in the program. But here is what we have from the chief of police. Now, I have to tell you, I I, I don't like going after chiefs of police. But you have to understand that chiefs of police stopped being police officers uh, long before, you know, uh, anybody realizes. They become politicians when they become chiefs. And we see this all the time. Calvin Williams is a good and honorable man, but he has to do what, what Mayor Frank Jackson tells him to do in his position because he serves at the pleasure of the mayor. He's a politician, not a cop any longer. And that's the same case here in Chardon. I don't know Chief Scott Niehaus, but I do know that what he said in response to all of this is politically motivated because he has to try to uh, put out the fire, if you will. So yesterday afternoon, Chief uh, Nihas addressed the community with a message talking about the decades-long bond between the police department and students and how it became even stronger uh, in February of 2012 during that terrible school shooting. But he also recognizes how the perspective of the Thin Blue Line is unique to each person's individual experiences with law enforcement. Listen to this. We recognize, says Chief Nehas, we recognize that the thin blue line represents either the best of or worst of what our profession has to offer, depending on a person's point of view. We understand that people frame what the line means to them based on a perspective that is unique to their own experiences with law enforcement. The officers of the Chardon Police Department strive to represent the best of what law enforcement officers should be. To us, the Thin Blue Line represents the strength and courage of officers working together as a profession to make our community safe. We certainly recognize that we are blessed to live in a community that graciously supports the stressful job that law enforcement officers do. To the very, the very different situations that we respond to and the many sacrifices that are made by our officers and their family. This support is evidenced by the numerous telephone calls and messages of support we've received over the last 24 hours and the hundreds of positive comments about law enforcement that have been posted on social media regarding the situation. It's important that we don't lose sight that the members of the Chardon Police Department equally serve all persons who require our assistance without regard to race, creed, color, ethnicity, national origin, religion, sex orientation, or gender expression. At this point, I just want to tell the chief to shut up. Stop. Whoever suggested that police officers don't serve all, regardless of race, creed, color, ethnicity, etc., etc., etc. This is simply bowing to the rage mob. It's bowing to the leftists. This is exactly what Dennis Prager was talking about last week when he said that decent, honorable people expressing decent, honorable positions, conservative positions most of the time. If you are afraid and bow to the left, then you might as well express the leftist position that, yeah, we realize that cops are sometimes racists and sometimes what sometimes homophobic. Why are you talking about sex orientation or gender expression? This has no bearing in this conversation whatsoever. We will perform our mission as guided by our core values and the principles of service, justice, and fundamental fairness. That's who we are and what our community expects expects of us, etc., etc. Now let's move on to the Board of Education. Madeline Horvath is the board president in Chardon. She released a statement yesterday afternoon as well, emphasizing... Support for the superintendent, not the kids. Support for Michael Hanlon, the superintendent, who declared that a thin blue line flag can be seen as being racially motivated because cops are racist. you know. Chardon local school district, she wrote, values and respects the police and all first responders. Stop right there, board president Horvath. No, you don't. No, you do not. The only way you can show your, that you and your district value and respect police and first responders is to say, of course there's nothing wrong with the thin blue line flag. We support police and first responders. Carry on, students. But no. She says, our relationship with local officers is stronger than most given their first response and bravery, February 2012, yada, yada, yada. We greatly value our partnership with local law enforcement and first responders. We agree with Chardon Police Chief Scott Niehaus' statement that the thin blue lag is perceived differently by different people. For some, it has a political meaning. The Chardon uh, Chardon Board of Education would like to make it clear that we are in full support of Dr. Hanlon's and the administration's decision regarding the football team's display of the thin blue line flag. Because it was displayed as a part of a pregame ceremony under the supervision of school staff, it was construed as sanctioned by the school district. Political activity by staff members is not allowable under Board of Education policy. Our support for Dr. Hanlon and the district's policies prohibiting political speech by staff members does not diminish the district's support and appreciation for police and all first responders. Excuse me, but Board President Horvath, the hell it doesn't. Your support for Dr. Hanlon calling cops racists and calling a thin blue line flag as being racially, uh, uh, what was the wording, racially motivated. Racially motivated indicates that you do not have respect and support for police officers and first responders. Chardon's Board of Education must all be replaced. Chardon Superintendent Michael, Superintendent Michael Hanlon must step down. And as far as I'm concerned, unless uh, the chief of police, Chief Niehaus, drastically amends his statement to say we support our first responders. We support all law enforcement officers. We support our community being safe and being supported by those police officers until he says something to that effect, rather than, well, everybody can perceive. Why don't you take down the, the American flag itself, then? Chief Nihas? Board President Horvath? Superintendent Hanlon? If your view is that some people might view the thin blue line flag as being racist... And because you have to appease everybody's point of view, you do realize that some people view the American flag with disgust and disdain. Look at all of those who kneel during her presentation on sports fields all over this country. Usually at the professional level. But for some people, the American flag is offensive and divisive and racist. So are you going to stop allowing the actual American flag to be presented? You are weak You are pathetic, and Chardon, local schools, you represent the worst of us. And I hope all of Northeast Ohio, all of the communities around Chardon, are willing to say the exact same thing and force some real and meaningful change that supports our kids and supports the first responders who keep them safe. News time. We'll be right back. talk more about the Chardon situation in a bit. Uh, Geauga County Commissioner Ralph Spitalieri will be joining us at 1035 to talk about his call for Chief or Superintendent Hamlin's resignation. And we will talk about the disgusting uh, approval and support for the superintendent that has been issued by the school board president, Horvath. All of that will be coming up in a bit. But for now... We believe that the response to COVID-19 has been the greatest fraud ever perpetrated on the American public. The objective of this legal action is to force the state to honor the Constitution. That is a part of the statement issued by Attorney Tom Renz, representing Ohio Stands Up, which has filed a lawsuit against the state of Ohio and Governor Mike DeWine to remove the unconstitutional emergency order that has so many businesses still uh, essentially suffering and struggling for survival and more. Attorney Renz joins us now right here on AM 1420, The Answer to Tell Us More. Good morning, sir. How are you? great how you doing bob we're doing very well thank you i uh i'm so glad to see another lawsuit i don't know how many this makes there have been a lot of lawsuits filed against the governor for his uh actions as in you know in response to ostensibly in response to the pandemic the overreaction is probably the better term but i'm so glad to see uh you know such a such a strongly worded action being taken here now my question to you is uh, what are your, What do you think the odds are? What are the odds of getting a court of law to say, yeah, the governor can't do this anymore, he must cease and desist with that order? Well,
2: there's case law. There's really only one uh, presidential case that's even close to this. And honestly, it's a case of first impression in a lot of ways. You yeah, know I don't like to make predictions. I will tell you that our case is strong. All of our numbers, all of our data yeah, it's, it's almost all exclusively based on information from the cDC and other uh, you know, government websites and stuff. It's their words, not ours. They've exaggerated it, and they've told us they have mm-hmm. uh, they They even misrepresented this to the Supreme Court of the United States. It's unbelievable what's happened here. so you know I don't know. I guess we'll see what the courts have to say, but I'm hopeful.
1: Tell me who Ohio Stands Up is, uh, Mr. Renz. Who who are you representing here?
2: Regular people. Uh, these are people from just various walks of life. They, they just saw their freedoms being ripped from them. Uh, the wine carpet bombed our freedoms. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. it it's just absolutely absurd. And, you know, these are just regular people who have watched their communities be hurt, their children be hurt, their loved ones be hurt. Maybe they can't go see grandma in a nursing home. Uh, you know, their kids can't talk to their friends. And they just band together and they created this movement. They created this, this coalition of people. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I couldn't be more honored to be working with them.
1: So what is the, uh, what, what exactly is the goal here when you say, you know, to, you want to remove the unconstitutional, unconstitutional emergency order? Are we talking about just saying, okay, the state of emergency declaration is gone? Or are we talking about removing the power granted to the governor? And we all talked about this when uh, the health director, Amy Acton, was writing all of these orders and there were you know, movements in the Ohio General Assembly uh, to there was legislation to release or not release, but to uh, diminish some of her power, some of the executive branch's power. And of course, that never went anywhere. So what are we trying to do with this lawsuit? Are we going back to that so that the governor cannot do this in the future? Or is it just to end this particular state of emergency?
2: Well, what we're doing is a little bit of both. Uh, we're asking this emergency to, to stop. We're saying this needs to stop. It needs to be over. We need to get back to the real normal where we are Americans free, not the new normal where we live in a state of quasi-tyranny. Uh, the other aspect of this is with the proper precedent, it will create some limitations. Now, we do not believe, and I do not believe, that we can never say that, you know, the the executive branch shouldn't have the capacity to declare a real emergency. You know, if we have a disease come through, if there's a biological terror attack or something like that, yeah, they've got to be able to act, and they've got to be able to act quickly. And, and no one denies that. The thing is, though, is it's one thing to act quickly, and for, you know, even if we have to do something for a week or two that's, you know, very, very... I guess, uh, egregious in the face of the Constitution. We can all understand that there may be instances where that's acceptable. What we can't have is six months of nonstop emergency orders. Uh, I mean, listen, if these orders are that important, it's six months down the road. Pass them through the traditional process. I mean, we, can, we have a traditional process, but that process actually involves protection for rights, and that's why they don't want to do it.
1: We are talking with Attorney Tom Renz, who's representing Ohio Stands Up, which is a grassroots organization filing a lawsuit against the state of Ohio and the governor himself over the COVID-19 response. Uh, in your press release, Attorney Renz, um, you point out that the CDC has made some statements uh, recently that would indicate uh, that this virus and the threat of this pandemic are very much less than they, you know, than they led all of us to believe. Quote from the release, the CDC recently confirmed that 94 percent of the deaths attributed to the virus were from people who had as many as two to three other serious illnesses. The majority of those deaths are individuals 75 and older. Six percent of the deaths are directly from COVID-19, according to the CDC. Um, Some will say, because, in fact, I've heard the argument, you know, in social media and in other places since that announcement, because I jumped on it, too, uh, on social media. Some will say, yeah, but those other comorbidities weren't killing them. They were living with these other conditions and the impact of COVID worsened them and made them die. So it still is, you know, COVID still presents a very, very uh, lethal threat to a lot of people. How would you and how will Ohio stands up respond to that?
2: Well, one of the things that's difficult about this is the fact that this case actually requires nuance. It's very hard to put into a soundbite. So the reality is is that uh, coronavirus is a, is a real thing. SARS-CoV-2 is a legitimate virus. It exists. And SARS-CoV-2 can cause coronavirus disease, and that can kill people. It's happened. That said, it's killed, according to the CDC's numbers, still less than 50,000 by any sort of reasonable guess. Now, if we use the 6% number that they came out with, that would put us at around 10,000 deaths solely from COVID-19. Now, I do believe, and my experts believe also, because we have a lot, a lot of great experts involved in this, and, you know, I'm a lawyer, not a scientist, so I'm working with them. Now, we all believe that it's more than 10,000 people that have died uh, as a result of having COVID-19. The problem is, is that the, what the CDC did, and they did this intentionally, and before Ohio changed its approach, Ohio did this for a while, and that's where I think a lot of the numbers uh, of the Ohio deaths came from. Uh, the number that we keep here in this, 170-some thousand of Americans killed with coronavirus. Right. The key to understanding that, uh, that is that it is with coronavirus, not from coronavirus there is absolutely no count whatsoever publicly available that says how many of those were actually from coronavirus. They, When the World Health Organization initially classified this virus, they gave two codes to this virus, and every virus gets a code, okay? And this is critical for epidemiologists and scientists who are studying what's happening. There were two codes given to this virus by the World Health Organization. Now, we all have problems with the WHO, But the WHO actually did it better than the CDC because they gave a code for confirmed coronavirus deaths and probable coronavirus deaths. Mm -hmm. The CDC combined them all into one. So what you're getting uh, under the CDC rules, and this is their words, not mine, confirmed by countless doctors, countless other people. Scott Jensen, the senator from Minnesota, uh, who's also a doctor, uh, the Minnesota... Uh, there was a complaint filed against his license because he talked about this. The Minnesota Medical Board uh, examined it, and the case, was, the case was dropped because he was right. The Illinois Director of Public Health actually came out and said the same thing that I'm saying. It is with, not from. So what's happened is is we've got cases where, for example, uh, there was a, an instance of a guy in New York that was uh, trying to commit suicide by cops. cop. Cops show up. He had a knife in one hand, a gun in another. He was successful. He was shot multiple times, and on his death certificate was listed coronavirus. Because under the CDC rules, it doesn't matter how absurd it is, it can be listed as a contributing cause to death. So, yeah, now, you know, the people are going to argue, well, you know, they're not supposed to do that. But ultimately, the problem is we have not had anywhere near. I mean, according to CDC numbers, and I will tell you, we have data on this that I did not yet make available and is not yet included in the case, but that we will be including a little farther down the road. Using some numbers that we were able to pull from the CDC, we can show, according to the CDC, that we're probably looking a little bit closer to the 40,000 total. Now, that's amazing because Chief Justice John Roberts Of the United States Supreme Court, and I have so much respect for the Supreme Court. I'm I'm one of those uh, lawyers that actually believes that the judiciary is a a respectable thing, and I know that that's
1: kind of a rare opinion. I used to think that. I don't very much anymore because of Chief Justice John Roberts, but please continue. Mm, Uh, Well, uh,
2: in any event, Chief Justice John Roberts, in his his ruling on uh, the South Bay Pentecostal versus California case, actually said that coronavirus has caused over 100,000 deaths nationwide. And that was as of May 30th. That number isn't true today. It still hasn't caused 100,000 deaths. There may have been 100,000-plus deaths with coronavirus. We're not going to argue that. What we are going to argue is that there is a huge difference between with and from. Yeah. And to, to mislead people like that and to create terror, um, I would like to challenge your, your listeners to do something. Assuming that Google hasn't changed the searches, and we've seen this happen a few times, not to be conspiratorial, but I've, I've literally bookmarked things and seen them move the next day. Uh, run a search on public health and motivation theory. What you'll find is a whole list. If you search under Google Scholar, you'll find a whole list of articles, going back to the 60s and 70s even, uh, the talk about public health, one of the key things that's done in public health, and this is just well-known within the field of public health, but not well-known anywhere else, they, they intentionally use fear to manipulate the public. The view of, of public health is to create health within the public, The health, uh, the public being a collective, right? So individual rights don't matter. Well, that doesn't really mesh with the Constitution, but they have used widespread fear. And you know, within the state of Ohio it's been a masterwork in the use of fear to scare people into compliance.
1: But they oh, yeah. done this
2: there's they were
1: doing that at the beginning. They they did it from the very start when Amy Acton first took to the podium and declared that right now at this moment, a hundred thousand Ohioans are infected. Uh, she literally made that claim uh, on on day one, and 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 that is not doing that is nothing but but creating fear and motivated by fear. And I think the masking issue is as well. We're short on time here, Attorney Tom Rents. Yeah. Um, so just just briefly, here's the other part of this that I just wanted to get a, your thought on. The New York Times, and I'm no fan of the New York. Times, but they did a report here using CDC data, and they reported that up to 90% of the positive cases in several states, 90% of them are only positive because of the hypersensitivity of the test being used. They're so sensitive, they're picking up viruses that are either already dead, meaning somebody has already had it. Uh, or they're too low in quantity of virus particles to transmit meaning they're not contagious so the idea that somebody needs to be quarantined for 10 to 14 days after a positive test is stupid because in 90% of the cases they're not contagious anymore by the time they get a positive test this is in other words the science and all of this has been so extraordinarily uh, up and down and every which way it is certainly not settled that the you know how dangerous the coronavirus actually is
2: Well, it's actually worse than that. It it really is. So the PCR test, which is what they're using to determine whether you have coronavirus, very quickly and without getting too much into the science, all that does is test for the presence of SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-2 is the virus that causes the the COVID-19 disease. COVID-19 is just a collection of symptoms. SARS-CoV-2 is the actual virus. But having a virus does not mean you have the disease. And the the Nobel Prize-winning scientist who invented the PCR test back in the 90s specifically stated this is not a good diagnostic tool. It's a good lab tool. And the reason he said that is because it does. It tests for the presence of SARS-CoV-2, and it can tell whether there's SARS-CoV-2, but that in no way, shape, or form means that you have COVID-19. It has absolutely no bearing on that. So that's why we get false tests. That's why the governor was positive before he was negative. Well, of course, and he probably didn't want to meet with the president. But you know, I mean, those two things together. Yeah. uh, yeah. Well, attorney. It's much worse.
1: Attorney Renz, I appreciate you coming on to explain this. I hope that we can get some resolution to this. And, you know, with the notoriously snail's pace of the courts, I'm, I'm not confident that this thing will be heard and settled before November 4th when the virus is officially scheduled to end in the United States. Uh, and I think you understand my meaning there. But, Attorney Renz, I really appreciate you filing this, and thank you so much for educating us on it. And hopefully we'll talk again soon.
2: Well, I hope so. I really need to get the word out there, the truth out there, because there's an incredible misinformation machine.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree with that. Uh, Thank you so much, Attorney Tom Renz. Uh, That's uh, Attorney Tom Renz representing Ohio Stands Up, and they have this grassroots group has filed a suit against the state of Ohio, and I hope they are successful sooner rather than later. But again, we all know that the virus is going to end on November 4th. It's uh, seven minutes before the top of the hour. We'll be right back. Just two minutes here, short segment before the top of the hour. I want to squeeze a phone call in uh, and go to Illyria. If Jay is still there through that interview with Tom Renz, Jay, you are on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, Jay, go ahead.
3: Good morning, Bob. I I absolutely agree with every single word you said about the Chardon School District. I think that, first of all, I don't, I know, I do not understand the leverage that BLM has managed to accumulate in such a short period of time. Secondly, I think we as the community of Northeast Ohio need to stand up and demand in the strongest of terms the resignation of the superintendent and the woman, I don't remember her name, but everybody associated with issuing an opinion that there's anything racial about the police department because they didn't fail to hesi- they didn't hesitate 1 second when they summoned the racist police department to their defense in 2012 they didn't hesitate 1 second and they didn't allow their belief that it could be prejudicial or whatever terminology they used to get in the way of their fear when that guy was walking around with the weapon shooting people I'm incensed by this behavior, and we have to stop it. We have to stand up collectively as the citizenry and say no more, although there would be three words in what I would say.
1: Well, uh, thank you. And, Jay, I would probably say those same words. Uh, and uh, it is is—it is infuriating. Uh, it is it is unimaginable it's really hard to comprehend how that anybody could could take the stand that they are taking and i do i want full leadership changes and i don't live in chardon in fact i'm about the as far away as you can get and still be in northeast ohio i'm far west side chardon is far east side so i don't absolutely. live there but i absolutely but i, but I care but i care yeah that's exactly right and thanks for the call jay uh i i you know i i I won't go to the governor here. I just want to talk about the superintendent. Hanlon has got to go. And that's what Ralph Spitalieri wants to have happen. And in my opinion, the school board that backed him and uh, uh, Horvath, her name is uh, Madeline Horvath, is the school board president to back him in the same statement, just disparages and and feeds the beast and feeds the narrative that police officers are racist. And as long as they're racist in the minds of any observers, then we can't show support for them. It is simply unconscionable, and we will talk more about that coming up at the bottom of the hour. But right now, we'll take a timeout for news and come right back on AM 1420, The Answer.